Hi everyone, this is Julia. Just wanted to give a quick trigger warning at the beginning. This episode, we talk about Rosemary's Baby, the plot of which prominently features sexual violence. And we also talk about pregnancy in general, so we briefly touch on miscarriage and infant loss. Hi everybody, this is Seth. This is Julia. This is a very special edition of Running Out of Movies. We have some very exciting news. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how you were... Yeah, well... I didn't know how you were queuing this up. (laughs) (laughs) Let me rephrase. We should have discussed this beforehand. We have some... Yeah, you're right. Well, it's just going in hot, you know? Um, (laughs) We have some very sad news, and then we have some very exciting news. I'll give the sad news. (laughs) Um, this is the first episode of this podcast, f- uh, which we are sober for, or for which we are what sober. Was the, what was the last one we did? Texas Power Outage. The last last proper episode, though. Oh yeah. Was it's still as yet unreleased? <laughs> <laughs> I maybe even lost the <laughs> audio for it. Was we'll find those kill, somewhere. Killing them softly. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we are currently stone sober because we're pregnant. Yeah. Congratulations. Julia and me. <laughs> Congratulations to Seth. <laughs> yeah, and you. Uh, yeah, so we're really excited about it. Um, and so today, and it's also Halloween today when this comes out. It's the day before Halloween when we're recording this. Um, so we wanted, to, we thought we would talk about baby stuff and also discuss the movie Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> I think that was a good baby Halloween crossover. <laughs> yeah, and, but so like we were, re- we've seen it before. Um, we kind of rewatched it today for reference, but we're kind of coming at the stretch of like a long, a lot of work. Yeah, it's been a rough, rough week. Uh, so, so we're probably a little bit less. Yeah, so we were watching. We, we just, could use some drinks right now. Yeah, we were both. I was kind of, I was eyeing all the cocktails being drunk at Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> I just be like, I'll date the devil. I don't care. Um, the uh, But yeah, so it was a, it's a, watching Rosemary's Baby 2 was kind of a, a bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, everyone knows, a bummer of a movie. But it's like, also, I don't hear anyone talk about this. Having the devil's baby is the least of this woman's problems. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just such a bummer of a marriage. Yeah, uh, yeah, t- just to give, uh, I guess if we're going to give a brief, like a three-sentence summary of the movie. Sock it to us. <laughs> it's um, Mia Farrow uh, and her husband, presumably. Um, yeah, they're married yeah. Move into a... That makes it sound like we didn't watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't... I don't know. I, don't, I guess, yeah, they, but yeah. I don't think No, what am I talking about? This is the 1960s. They might not be married. They might be cohabitating <laughs> with them. Be married. That's fine. But I think... I think they refer to him as her husband. Anyway, uh, they move into a new apartment in New York. And eventually end up befriending the other people who live in this apartment... And who those people, turns out, are in a satanic cult and drug and uh, trick Mia Farrow into getting impregnated with the devil's child. And then they just gaslight her for the entirety of the movie until she has the devil's baby. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think like the gaslighting thing is like everyone talks about the devil's baby. Everyone's talking about the text. No one seems to talk about the subtext in this movie, which is just... I, like a very, um, I think, satire of, of the way women get treated often, both in their marriages and in the, the world at large. So it's like 
those parts were effective and just kind of aggravating. Yeah, I mean, I think the majority of the movie, like the the devil, does not make much of an appearance, and the the baby the baby doesn't make much of an appearance. I mean, the whole meat of the movie is her being gaslit by yeah. her husband and her neighbors, um, and doctor. Right. Um, so it is. I mean, it's really effective because it seems it's very realistic, and you can be like, "Yep, that's exactly how that would happen." Um, but it's just also kind of a bummer to watch, right? Yeah, someone being like manipulated. Yeah, even and yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, even without the devil's baby, she's got to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good situation. <laughs> yeah, this guy seems like a turd, and uh, and yeah, so that part is hard to watch, um, especially like I think I've told you this too, where it's just kind of like. Like watching, watching that kind of bad behavior from men in movies is, I don't know, you like, I think it's natural to kind of project yourself into the role you would most easily fit into when you're watching a movie. So it just makes you feel gross. Like, like, are you, you mean... Like, watching a bad husband makes me feel like a bad husband. Uh, like, you're projecting yourself into the husband character being like, right. oh, why, what if I'm like that? Which I guess it's like, why aren't I just project myself into the protagonist? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. But it could also be that I just also struggle with boundaries. Like, uh, you know, so it's like, so when I see someone be like, like, I will frequently, like, someone at a party will just be like, my favorite movie will come up without me mentioning that's my favorite movie. And the person will just talk to me for 15 minutes about how terrible that movie is. And based from the feedback they're getting from me, I they would not know that I have a different opinion. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, interesting. Like, yeah, I just, I don't, like, when I talk to yeah, a person. Like, yeah, no, that is, you know, that is kind of one of his weird ones. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's exactly the kind of chicken shit thing I will say to get out of confrontation. Well, this is, uh, talk about toxic masculinity also. We watched, watched Rosemary's Baby and I've somehow made it all about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've gotten away from the movie, away from our pregnancy. <laughs> How you feel? <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, this is a podcast. I'm trying to make hay. It's it's late in the work week for us. We've had a hard week. Yeah, but how are you? Let's let's um, put a pin in Rosemary's no. baby. You know, circle back to it. Let's talk about pregnancy. No, but. we should talk. We I have so many things to say about pregnancy, but um, but no, I think what, uh, to your point about what you were saying about you know how watching these movies makes you feel gross, like when people are when the people in them are doing gross things. Um, I feel like. It's interesting as like as the woman when you're brought up where kind of I mean, I think the point of this movie is that he's the husband is an awful person. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I think he's supposed to be. He's bad, even in the text of the movie. Yeah, Yeah, I think I think it's it's supposed to be understood that he's he's being terrible. But there is um, there's certainly like when you grow up in every single movie that you watch is like that and has men acting like that. You're, you know, to, to varying degrees, you do kind of just internalize like, oh, I guess that's normal. Like, I right. guess, I guess that's what's supposed to happen. And I'm supposed to react the way that Mia Farrow reacts, which is like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just do whatever you tell me to. Yeah, it's like, I, I think that's what is the bummer. It's like his behavior is terrible, but it's still supposed to be plausible. It's still supposed to have surface tension in that she's not supposed to. It's trying to keep it in that zone of like, well, what would you do? You can't, right. you know. Like, he's not like being, you know, he's not hitting her or, do, mm-hmm. you know, doing something that you can point to that she could point to and be like, wait, that's not okay. Right. Like Except he, for one, I mean, one notable instance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the, I mean, the famous, the most famous scene from this uh, movie is when her husband knowingly drugs her, lies about it. And um, tries to start a fight with her to get her to eat more of the drugged 
dessert that he is serving her. Um, and then as she is in a sort of unconscious daze. She gets caught in a perfume commercial for a bit where she's like on a boat and <laughs> yeah. <yet> like a... <laughs> Which I actually like that. I think that was like... A I, it was like really visually weird and cool. And it also, I think, captured what dreams feel like. Yeah. And also I feel like the, the boat, especially kind of like that, gave you that kind of uneasy, like, I feel nauseous and sleepy and like it kind of put you into what her headspace would be like. So mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like that was a good metaphor. Um, but anyway, in this, what's happening in real life as she's having like a hallucinatory dream is the other members of this cult. Apartment a, cult. Yeah. Apartment cult. Um, all come into her bedroom and undress her. And then I believe like Satan rapes her mm-hmm. is, is what is actually happening. And one of the most unsettling moments in the, it's like, this is unsettling after we just saw assault being carried out by the devil. Um, is he lies, his lie to cover it up. The, yeah, yeah, bone, the bone chilling thing about this is that she wakes up the next morning covered in scratches um, and is like, what happened last night? And the husband's lie to cover up all the terrible things that he had done was, oh, I just had sex with you while you were unconscious. And she was like, oh, why did you do that? And he's yeah. like, what's the big deal, baby? It's... Yeah, and then he gets like, he gets mad at her that she's kind of miffed about that. Yeah. It's it's really... That part is upsetting in terms of how much of this is satire about how women are treated in society and how much of this is supposed to be the plausible deniability of the plot. Right. It definitely feels... I mean, while, while the husband is supposed to be a bad guy in the movie, I think, it definitely feels like his... His cover story of like, oh, I just assaulted you while you were unconscious was supposed to be a normal, fine thing for him to say. It's like, I I feel like we expect horror movies. The fun of horror movies is like jump scares and like wind ups and like, oh, what's that going to be? Where this is just more of like a um, more of like a snuff film level of like just watching someone torture another person in a in a. In a way that is societally acceptable. Right. Like, I... And I get that feeling with a lot of, like, really well-made... I'm not going to pick on a, on a specific studio. <laughs> but really well-made contemporary horror movies seem to be... The target is just to make you feel bad about the real world. About like, being alive. Yeah, about everything. being... Yeah. Which is... It's not that you shouldn't. That, again, is probably pretty well-observed. But it's like... <laughs> right. um, it, wrong. Yeah. I would rather just be like... God damn you, Freddy Krueger, we're going to capture you one day. We're, we're going to bring Freddy Krueger to justice. Like, that feels like such a, you know, that feels more escapist than this, which not everything has to be escapist. Right. But yeah, but. definitely watching it at the end of a long week when we're both feeling kind of um, right. worn down and bad already. And then you're just watching poor Mia Farrow. <laughs> right. And then it's just like, this isn't, I don't want to be watching No, this. yeah. It's like, I think we feel so beat up. This week, because we've just been working really hard, that it was like, um, I just felt empathetic toward me fair and kind of wanted to like tap her out and be like, yeah. you know, you take a break. I'm going to, I'm going to carry the devil's baby for like, uh, for a couple months. And I, I did really like when she started to get sassy towards the end, right. um, which was still in a very, um, quiet, polite, meek way. Uh, but where she just started to get sick of everything, um, I just started <laughs> Just, like, yeah. low-key throwing shade on, on every interaction. Yeah, because they keep gaslighting her. The pain's going to go away in two to three days. And so, and there's these also, 
another really well-observed thing is just her her brassy kind of New York neighbors are kind of the the arch villains here. Um, yeah, and and you she eventually or when you first first meet them, um, the brassy neighbor kind of introduces herself in a in a way that's clearly like the neighbors kind of pushing her way into the space. But you know it's all polite and still social. And that remains, this is made in 1968, or came out in 1968, but this is like, it's like, to this day, that is very native New Yorker. Like, yeah, it, that, that part rings so true. Yeah. Um, and so, she, so Mia, to be polite, I don't know her name in the movie. Rosemary. Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a long, it's been a long, long Let's give you back a little rub. Her name is Can Rosemary. Yeah. That would be such a good, it, that would be, I think that would add another layer to the movie, to your credit. It was called Rosemary's Baby, and there was no no, no mention of Rosemary. Who is Rosemary? Oh, makes you think. <laughs> at the, at the, the last shots, they just zoom in on like a uh, container of rosemary, right. the spice. Just like, <laughs> like it was the spice all along. Yeah, <laughs> the, the herb just driving away in a station wagon at the end of <laughs> end of the movie to do it all again in another town. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, so uh, Mia to be, to, <laughs> yeah, to, be Mia. What's that? to be just polite, like agrees to go have dinner at these these uh, kind of obtrusive neighbors' place, um, and then her husband doesn't want to go, and but that she drags him along, and then he ends up becoming best friends with them and inviting them over all the time, and then going to their house constantly. Um, we get it's kind of intimated that they're pro- that they're using witchy shit to help his acting career. Yes. What? <laughs> I wish I had started that whole train of thought in response to something that you had Are said. Are we talking about the neighbors? Yeah. The neighbors and how she was getting sassy. Because I like, um, she her response to this and their their kind of insinuation is like toward the, uh, approaching the middle of the movie. She wants to throw a party with just her young friends. And then everyone's been gaslighting about this pain saying it'll go away in two or three days. And the husband's just like, clearly against the idea of her hanging out with her young friends. Because uh, uh, one of the smart or the well-observed things they're doing with the gaslighting is her doctor her neighbors her husband are all trying to keep her away from reading books yeah the, doc- the doctor straight up says june i don't want you reading any books about pregnancy i don't want you talking to your friends about this because like every pregnancy is different so, so if you have any questions you only call me don't look anything up. right or it's just like yeah now it's like red flag yeah it's like what are you running for president hey oh i'm still making trump jokes i don't care i don't care um but uh and so she, the husband gets the party idea, and she, he goes, "What about your pain?" And she, she goes, uh, "Didn't you hear? It'll be gone two to three days." Like, uh, yeah. And she also, in in planning that party, is like, um, she's like, "I want to see our old friends. I mean, our young friends. Uh, it'll be like you have you have to be under sixty to get in because <laughs> he's only been hanging out with the she, other old people in the building." I do walk away kind of like a mini fair from this movie. Earlier on, like they give her like a charm with. With something called tannis root in it, which I don't know if that's a real thing or just an invention of the story, but um, I'll Google that. Um, but she just holds up the necklace to a mirror and goes, "Tannis, anyone?" And I was <laughs> just, just like, talk to herself. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, I guess it's not all tannis, anyone's. There's other things in in the I don't know the cornucopia of her in the Pharaohverse, <laughs> the extended Pharaoh universe." <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little punchy, but yeah, that that made me laugh a lot. Her saying tannis, anyone. Um. But yeah, the the pain that you were referencing, she basically gets pregnant from this devil baby. Um, well, not from the devil, but let's let's not. Keep... You're right. Gets pregnant from the devil with the devil baby. Yes. 
are the right prepositions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to, I mean, this, look, this devil baby one day is going to be guilty of some nonsense for sure. But right now it's still, I mean, and as far as it could be blameless. <laughs> It's a, it's, it's a, it's a passenger in this particular situation. So she's, she starts having pain, um, basically right away. The doctor who is part in on this whole cult thing that her neighbors insist that she go to, um, and won't let her go to see a regular doctor, uh, tells her that that's totally normal and that it'll, it'll go away in a few days. Um, and the the neighbor is like bringing her this special concoction to drink every day because she's like you don't want to take vitamins vitamins are all like old and dusty and sitting on counters you want these are like fresh natural um so finally they have this party and like she's actually able to talk to actual friends of hers it's such a great it's like it reminded me of like when um saul goodman shows up in breaking bad like, just, like, it's such a relief of just getting some competent yeah. people in the room who are just kind of like, no, what are you doing? Yeah, you're like, oh, thank God, Mia finally has someone to, like, fight for her. Or, like, to, to like, be on her side. Um, and they're, they're, they, like, kick her husband out of the kitchen and they're talking to, talking to her and she's talking about the pain and they're like, well, when did it start? And she was like, November. And this is, like, a New Year's party. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just like... That is terrible. That is not normal. You need to stop going to that doctor and like just give her like sensible, normal human advice. And it's such a relief yeah. to hear. Yeah. It's like, I was like, uh, it feels like a very like, it, the the movie does a good job of being these kind of fleeting moments of traction that yeah. kind of keep you engaged. Right. Right. Like it kind of gives you a little sense of hope that like, oh, she's, she's getting some, she's getting somewhere. She's mm-hmm. maybe, maybe she'll finally realize uh, that what everyone's doing to her. But uh, the, I mean, I guess she does eventually realize, but, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't really, it's kind of too, too late at that point. Yeah. Um, Cause it ends with her ha- going into labor and then they drug her or something. And tell her that the baby died. And are like, sorry, no baby. And they keep giving her pills that make her groggy. And she's like, I'm hearing a baby crying in the building. And her husband's like, oh yeah, some new tenant moved in and they have a baby. It's like, you guys have to get better at this. <laughs> if you're going to be tricking people into having the devil's baby, you need to like, I don't know, rent an apartment across the street. <laughs> That's just, why am I better? I'm nervous that I'm better at having women have the devil's baby than these people are but yeah so it gets into a bit of a we, we kind of i think we cracked out about an hour in this this watch but um my memory of it is that it kind of turns into like the before the ending proper it kind of turns into a fun like late 60s early 70s paranoia thriller of her kind of figuring it out and kind of going yeah. rogue a little bit. That Those bits are fun to watch. Yeah, and, like, they're, you know, they've been, like, drugging her and stuff. So she starts, like, hiding the pills and, like, not taking them and getting more lucid. And and she, like, finds, like, this trap door in her apartment that leads to the other apartments. And, you know, kind of, like, detective working, things like that, which is right. fun. Uh, but, yeah, and then, uh, anyway, the end is she... she uh, has the devil baby, mm-hmm. and then uh, everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. She's, <laughs> Basically, she starts like a YouTube vlog about like first twenty four hours with an infant Satan, <laughs> and it's man clicks are just. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's how did any of it hit differently now that you are pregnant? Uh, 
That's a great question. I was, I guess I was expecting it too, but there's actually... It's pretty light. It's just kind of like... There's no pregnancy content in it. It's just like, she goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, you're pregnant. And she's like, yay, pregnant. And then she just gets, um, because they're, they then start drugging her. She's just then kind of like in pain and weak yeah but it's not from the pregnancy i mean yeah. i mean i guess it maybe is, but like but I think it's you... not like it's not like they're depicting pregnancy symptoms they're depicting right. being drugs something symptoms. abnormal happening you get the sense that yeah maybe it's just it's not a fun thing to grow and then i don't think there's any mention of any any pregnancy anything symptoms or otherwise until she like is in labor i think i'm, I'm about to butcher this vocab word the one pregnancy vocab word i did learn was Ectopic pregnancy. Ectopic. Ectopic. What? Pause for editing. I already forgot what it is. <laughs> Ectopic. Ectopic. And that is that is when the the egg is accidentally fertilized in the fallopian tube. Yeah, when it implants inside the tube instead of inside your mm-hmm. uterus. Which would understandably, she thinks that that's that because that would cause a lot of pain. Because it would cause a lot of pain. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where it's like a super serious thing. Where, because it just ruptures mm. your tubes or whatever, um, where I think you have to have, like, emergency surgery to not, go, right. like, die. And so, yeah. So, I mean, that's about the level we get with... with and her. she mentions that to the doctor. And the doctor was like, ectopic pregnancy. He's so mad. Yeah. What have you been reading? <laughs> He's so mad you found a book. Yeah. He shuts that down right away. Um, so that, that's no a, more vocab for her. I, a, a weird thing I was, something that, that struck me differently in this, this read through or this watch through, um, was, and I've been thinking about this a lot now that you've been pregnant. I've just been really grateful for, I mean, there's a lot of bad things to say about the internet, but I've been grateful for the wealth of information we have about pregnancy. Oh yeah. That was one of the things, um, and it just freaked me out to think of just like only having books. Yeah. Like, I love books, but no, they don't get to, like, <laughs> like they're not up to bat to, like, navigate our pregnancy. Like, yeah, I can't imagine, I mean, until very recently, all you would have that, all you would have to go on is, like, maybe a book that you got, um, otherwise just things that your friends and family told you, which is definitely something that I thought about watching this movie, where just her neighbor's, like, her neighbor who seems like a, you know, not part of an evil coven... Um, it's just like, drink this, it'll be good for you. And she's like, that sounds right to me. Uh, and like, there's no way for her to Google what's in that or what side effects that it causes. Mm-hmm. Um, which does seem like terrifying that anyone would have, would be going through such a weird new experience without being able to like check what everything meant or if this is normal or if this right. is. Because even, even um, I've been finding... I read a lot of, there's a lot of like baby boards, like, like forums. Um, and I've been finding even just the stuff in the forums doesn't match up all the way to the things that they, like the official guidelines. Like, Mm -hmm. like if you look, uh, the, like the official stance or whatever is that, you know, certain symptoms like never start earlier than week 20 and then you'll be on the forums and people will be like, oh yeah, it started for me in week six Mm -hmm. and and tons of people will be like, yeah, same here. Um, so like even just, it's even just nice to get the anecdotal evidence from like a really wide pool of people. Right. Yeah. That, that part is really encouraging and reassuring to, um, to just be able to compare your experience with 
with thousands and thousands of other people. Yeah. And using keywords, figure out people who are going through exactly what you're going through and how they handled it and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So not having that, I, that was the scariest part of this movie. Of, <laughs> I'm just trying to navigate because you just end up with all these questions that are. Yeah. I mean, every, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, one thing they do, they do say in the movie, which is kind of true, but also kind of a lie, um, is that like all pregnancies are different, um, mm-hmm. which is like, certainly can be true. I mean, like. Not to the extent that they're suggesting. Not, not to the extent that they're saying, but, um, but yeah, it's like a lot of things are just like weird and different. And like, even if like your sister got pregnant, like you might have a different symptom than she had. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the idea of just not having the internet to be like what is this right. that's happening seems terrifying. Right. So how, how has your pregnancy been going? I mean... Uh... I mean, I've checked in before this. I'm just doing it for the, <laughs> for the edification of our listeners. For our thousands of viewers. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we are 23 weeks pregnant. We're 23 and three days, I think. Um, so we're about halfway through. So luckily I am in the end of the second trimester which so far has been the only palatable part yeah first was rough of pregnancy so far you were you were so tired and really nauseated the entire oh, time just throwing up non-stop that was um so when you first find out that you're pregnant you're four weeks pregnant already because they they count it from the first day of your last period um it's really helpful for policymakers oh, to, you know, like... it's insane. They, they just don't know what pregnancy even is or how it works. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, you being four weeks pregnant is, like, you just peed on a stick that morning and the baby is the size of a poppy seed. Um, so that... So, yeah, we found out right away because we were, you know, planning it. Which, if you're not planning it, you might not... You it might easily not find out until five or six weeks. Um... And so it was, I mean, right away, it felt very surreal, like, because you don't feel any different, really, at the very beginning. Um, Like, you have some symptoms, I think everyone has some, or some people don't have any symptoms at all. Some people have some symptoms where you're like, it could be this, or it could be, that could be something completely different. Can I talk about your reaction to finding out? Because oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not your traditional guy in a lot of respects. Um, I am in that I am stupid, um, <laughs> but other than that, I'm kind of non-traditional. But I was kind of, kind of took, on the fence. <laughs> yeah, on the fence about kids. Just you know, because it's like guys are different. And I was, I've noticed this since I've, since we've been expecting. All of the pop culture pointed at men about babies is that it's going to be a drag. Yeah, like, it's going to be like, oh, your life's over. Which, yeah, and it's like, I definitely let that slip into my own feelings about it. And then, and not that I actually thought it was going to be a drag, but, like, I was worried that it would limit our abilities to do certain things. Like, um, like, we're, we're not, like, this is probably be the last podcast for a while, I mean. No. But, um, no, but. We'll have our babies, baby focus pocket. That's our, we'll our baby. Ch- we'll do Chucky next year for, for <laughs> That's such a good idea. That is such a good idea. But no, well, yeah, and it's just like, I can't even articulate it because it was such a stupid, non-rational thought, no, or I, irrational I it, thought. I mean, I think that totally makes sense, because also, it absolutely will right. <laughs> hamper your ability to do it. Like, it'll be a big change. No, and I think that was, like, the thing that, like, I kind of noticed, and this is, like, the thing you see in a lot of pop culture, it's, like, everyone says, like, oh, well, you gotta have babies, because you don't know how you're gonna feel about it, 
until you have a baby. And then you have a baby and everyone's like, isn't it terrible? (laughs) (laughs) But um, one thing that really helped also me wrap my head around it it was um, particularly a special and heavy. Because he was even more actively against having a child yeah, than I you was. were not yeah. against it. You were just not. I like, was nervous about it. about it. Yeah, so it's like. Um, anyway, long story short, I was I was kind of classically douchey guy on the fence about it, but um, <laughs> but we were trying, and um, and Julia was just like, and also part of it was just like, like I love Julia, and she's the only person I ever want to be with, and it's like you were very upfront that you wanted kids, and yeah, the, yeah. That, so and like, it's also it's interesting. So part of like marrying you was me acknowledging that that was something I was considering for our future. Right, like, that was like, something, I mean, we had talked about this right. before we got married, where it's like, this is something that is on the table for me, so like... But yeah, and you just you. had like a pilot's confidence of just like, yeah, no, we're going there, and it's going to be great, and don't worry about it, and like, I kind of reacted to that and being like, okay, yeah, no, that's going to be great. And just also to compare in terms of the messages that society slips you, is like, the, I mean, that's where I was coming from, it's like, I don't want to have a baby either. <laughs> like this is a, news to me. Sounds like a drag. No, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I have I have all the same reservations. Cons- concerns and reservations that any person would have thinking about it. But just like, uh, like first, first of all, society is very much like having a baby if you're a woman is the most important and only important thing that you can do with your entire life. Like, society, get your head straight. Like everything else pales in comparison to that. That's your number one goal as a human she could be secretary of state society you're talking about <laughs> julia miho sorry go on i'd never make it through the politics <laughs> that's true that's the one problem with um politics at the national level it's, it's all politics <laughs> um but and also you get the from like from age 16 people people will start to be like well how many kids do you want to have because, you know, you run out of time, so you got to start planning. And so, like, I feel like this whole, the whole baby thing was kind of like a new concept to Seth, where he was like, oh, I never really thought about it right. before. It was, yeah. Whereas, like, for me, it's like, I've been, I've been counting, like, if I want to have X amount of kids and that there should, and there should be three years apart, then that's going to be like 12 childbearing years, at which that ends at a certain point. So I'm going to need to start. So, like, that's just always something that's been running in the back of my head um, for forever. And I turned 33 in June, which is like, uh, once you're 35, you're technically, this, the technical term for it is still geriatric pregnancy. And which I was like, calm down, it's just a name, until they started using the term geriatric millennial. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, so like, I mean, it is a bit of a... I, I feel like people people use the phrase like ticking clock a lot, and I I I did not personally feel that. Like I didn't I didn't feel any inherent in innate compulsion to start acting motherly. I just always have known that I want to have kids in my life, so I was mm-hmm. like, we gotta start doing this now. We're in a good place for it, you know. Like we finally right. moved out of the most expensive city in the in the, in yeah. the country. So to we like actually... the third. <laughs> <laughs> It's progress. <laughs> anyway, this is all to just uh, set up our our expectations going into this. Seth can actually <laughs> tell yeah. the story. Of us. Yeah, so we had um, <laughs> finding out. It was like our anniversary weekend, and we were just we were just kind of like it was the morning of our anniversary, right? And so we had like all these dinner reservations, and we were just like, you know, you know, the theme of this podcast. We were just like, we we're gonna get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I took yeah, I took two days off work because yeah. it's our anniversary, and then my birthday is three days afterwards. So it's kind of like a 
a long weekend. Right. I said dinner reservations because, yeah, we'd kind of planned to celebrate your birthday and our anniversary. And um, so anyway, so you came in that morning and you told me. And um, and I was really, like, it was a complete flip. Like, I was very <laughs> calm and excited you look like you'd seen a ghost with an axe. Like it was, I've never seen you more terrified in your entire life. And it was like a little bit like, it's kind of one of those things like where when one person, like you, we find this in a marriage a lot, like one person kind of freaks out while the other person holds it together. And it's kind of like by some sort of biorhythm, we are never both freaking out. Yeah. And it's almost like when one person is freaking out, you as the other person, you're like, oh, I need to, not freak out right. to, to keep this together. You kind of before. adrenaline rush it so that you could... Because you're thinking you're like, about... I need to take care of this other person yeah. now. You start to think about... And it's also easier to think about someone else's needs than your own, I find. Yeah. Like, it's harder to be selfish in a moment like that. So... But it, from my perspective, long term, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> to complete the pilot metaphor, it's like you're on an international flight reading a magazine in first class, and then halfway through the flight, the pilot just comes out and is just like, I can't even see the ground, man. <laughs> Pulling at his hair and freaking out. It's just like, I stepped on this plane because I thought there was kind of a tacit like thing that you knew and understood what was involved in flying a plane across the ocean. But um, but you got over it pretty quick, I think. Yeah, no, it was just a big shock uh, for, for sure. I mean, everything was very theoretical and I was planning theoretically for all of this. But that switch into it being like, yep. You have now, like, the roller coaster has, has left. Yeah. You're just now yeah. on a roller coaster, and there's no getting off of it until it completes the destination, which is a thing that could end with you dying. Yeah. Which is, yeah. like, these were all the thoughts that were going through my head. It's like, oh, I'm just, like, the thi- it's, like, it's out of my control now. It's just right. happening on its own, and I, I can no longer decide when it starts or stops. And um, it's going to end in a thing that is, uh, you know... At best case, very painful, and at worst case, fatal. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, everything ends with us dying. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. We could go. You saw a ghost who had an axe, so that's, that's got to be something else. Um, <laughs> so, no, that was just, that was just, uh, I absolutely no, freaked yeah. out at the very beginning. Uh, here's another fun thing about being pregnant. So, you, you find out you're pregnant because you buy a test and you pee on it. And then you're like, amazing. And then you go to make a doctor's appointment to be like, I'm pregnant. I think I'm supposed to start seeing you now. And you're supposed to give me advice on how to handle this. And they're like, oh, great. We'll schedule you in for six weeks from now. Which seems like a long time. And you're like, oh, that seems very, that's like a month and a half away. And like, I don't know what, and like, thank God for Google. I could just Google what I was supposed to be doing. But like, what if, it's mm-hmm. like, shouldn't you be the one telling me like, what things to stop doing and what things to start doing. Right, yeah. I, just, like, was no that a quirk guidance. of ours or is there usually an earlier appointment? No, yeah. They, they Usually doctors, which is another crazy thing about that law, is usually doctors don't let you come in until week eight or so. Oh, that's crazy. Because it's too early before that for them to do anything. Right. And also there's a really, really high rate of miscarriage before, before week eight. Seeing those numbers, too, it makes it really shocking that there's any sort of stigma around miscarriage. Well, they what they tell you is, like, once you find out you're pregnant, you're not allowed to tell anyone because you might lose it. And then that would be awkward. And it's like, maybe that's something that you absolutely wouldn't want to discuss with anybody in the world. But, like, likely you're going to want to tell somebody about it because it's going to be a traumatic event and you're going to need someone to talk to. 
but the the subtext behind it or like the we talk about like meaning versus significance Mm -hmm. um is that you should feel ashamed if something happens like it's your fault which is crazy because that's also like you're gonna need support from people like right to deal with that another crazy thing about not being supposed to tell people um is that so 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 when you first find out at least for me when i first found out i was pregnant i was kind of in disbelief because it seemed like i i wasn't really having any symptoms like you couldn't tell i mean there's nothing and like i can't see a doctor to prove that i'm pregnant so so it's just like i'm just taking on the word of the stick that i peed on (laughs) that, that i am but then a week and a half later at like between five and six weeks pregnant i started getting horribly horribly sick which they call the they the term that gets thrown around is morning sickness which i can't believe that it's yeah it was like that. i would call it like clock sickness like <laughs> it's if, like if if the clock is yeah if time exists <laughs> yeah and it's it, when, when you google it they're like the real term is nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. And it's like, yeah, let's call it that. Why are we calling it morning yeah. sickness? I think, morning I bet sickness it's apply, implies that like you get out of bed, you like puke into a bucket, and then you're fine for the rest of the day. I have the theory that it's like a nineteen like a nineteen fifties thing, patriarchal thing, where it's just like that was just the only time the guy saw her bark before he <laughs> <laughs> So they're just like, it just must be the, the morning. It's just like mornings and then around dinner time. <laughs> men are just like, I have no object permanence. <laughs> they don't realize that she's barfing at home the whole time. Um, um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I, I mean, everyone, everyone has a different, some people don't get nauseous at all. Um, most people get nauseous, at least to some extent. I think I was definitely towards the higher end of the, of the nausea spectrum. Um, and it was definitely like... It was, I mean, it was all day. It was actually best in the morning. Like, right when I woke up, it was fine. But then by, like, 10 o'clock or so would be the first time I threw up. And then I would just be nauseous and throwing up for the entire rest of the day until I went to bed. Yeah, I was really nervous about you just being able to get nutrition. Like, it was so right. so constant. that's, like, when you, at, especially at the extreme end of the spectrum, is, like... Um, hyperemesis gravidum mm-hmm. i've never said it out loud before I, um where you can't keep anything down so much to where you have to be hospitalized because you can't keep nutrients or fluids mm-hmm. in and um it yeah it was definitely like getting to so it was just like for weeks and weeks and weeks where this is like every single day every hour of every day i would just be like sitting on the couch like taking small sips of water and then waiting five minutes and taking another small sip of water and waiting five minutes and then like taking a half a bite of a granola bar and then waiting five minutes and then just doing that for hours to try to like make sure I had something my favorite in my stomach. My favorite memory from this stage is like you would also wake up starving then. Oh, that's right. I had to start. Uh, I don't like that you're starving. My favorite part is you would like, it was like living with like some kind of werewolf because like, <laughs> I just like look over at the four in the morning and you'd just be up in bed just like dead-eyed eating crackers <laughs> it's just very it's like, yeah. i don't find that very like if you could just like stoically eat crackers while i sleep i would find that very comforting <laughs> yeah i started uh I get pretty early um just getting woken up like twice in the night from my own hunger pains um which some people i've heard wake up 
in the middle of the night to throw up. Like they, their nausea wakes them up mid sleep mm-hmm. to go throw up, which fortunately I didn't have that. Uh, but yeah, I used to, I, I just had to start um, keeping crackers and granola bars and water on my nightstand so that I could just eat throughout the night. And you also have to get up like four times a night to pee because like at that stage, your uterus hasn't made it over your pubic bone yet. And so it's just pushing right into your bladder. So you basically, it it was one of those things, again, how how naive I was about this whole process is I was like, well, we'll get pregnant now and then we'll have like a fun summer (laughs) and fun fall. And then it won't be, I won't be like really pregnant until like, the holidays um because also we had just uh just shortly beforehand like gotten vaccinated for covid and we were finally like oh this long nightmare is over and we can finally go back to being normal people we can do all this thing and like explore austin and then i was just like immediately uh horribly sick couldn't leave the house very tired too the first trimester like very like yeah i had to i had to go to bed at like nine o'clock i would be asleep and then i would wake up at nine for work. So I was getting like 12 hours of sleep, but I was still just exhausted all the time because also you're waking up at least four times a night to eat or pee. Um, and then you're just, you're just sick and, and nauseous and can't move or do anything for the whole rest of the day. Uh, another thing that happens is your sense of smell gets really strong and um, which also adds to the, to the nausea. So I remember like we went into a grocery store to buy groceries and I was just like, I like started dry heaving in the store because there was so many smells <laughs> that I'd never noticed before. Um, so I just like, I, I was basically just like housebound all summer because yeah, it was a bummer. anything, anything outside, which, and I had to start keeping, but I took care of you. I did nice things. I, I, I made you food all, and snacks and stuff. And... Oh yeah. Seth just 100% took over all cooking Good. <laughs> and he would just like bring me food at, uh, while I was on the couch. No, cause I always told myself I'd be one of these guys who read the baby books for dads. Like I wasn't going to be like Seth Rogen in Knocked Up. You know, uh, where he doesn't read the baby book. Because um, like, that seemed like a, a very small concession to someone who's 3D printing a human being. Uh, um, but the thing I learned from those books is that, like, all other guys are, like, serial killers. Because they were just being like, you should be nice to her. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're saying on the forums that, like, during this part where you're, like, you were so tired, it was like you got hit by a car after work. People were, these poor... Uh, Women were on this message board saying that, that their husbands are like yelling at them for sleeping all the time and stuff. Yeah, these uh, like a lot of people on these um, boards are being like, I'm horribly sick and throwing up all the time and I'm exhausted um, and I'm still doing all of the cooking and all the cleaning, but my husband's upset because I don't do it as fast as I used to. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to derive self-esteem from husbands being worse than me. <laughs> like I know I'm no prize pig, but it just seems like inhuman it seems like obviously yeah like you you could look at her and be like oh you're medically unwell right like sheila Hedi has that quote about like if men gave birth then like every single philosophical text would be about the birthing process oh, but there absolutely in the current setup there's no empathy there's no understanding there's no curiosity like uh it's, and it's a crazy crazy thing it's like i mean i never really thought about it Really, uh, but yeah, like one, once you're in it, you're like, this is the craziest thing that happens to people, and right. nobody talks about it. There's like, we've been trying to uh, find movies about pregnancy or that feature pregnant people or that talk about symptoms just because I was so sick 
you know, like if you, even if you get sick with the flu, you expect to feel better after a week. But yeah. And this was just like 13 weeks straight of just feeling the worst you've ever felt all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I was trying to find some depiction of that in, in movies or TV shows that I could like feel less alone and there just aren't any. Yeah. We even tried one that was where that was the, the reason to buy the ticket, we, that hyperlink, um, what to expect when you're expecting. Movie. I was like, here we go. This is it. This is right. literally a movie about pregnancy. And they skip over all the parts. Right, yeah. There's, it, like, no symptoms. It was, like, the 15 minutes that you would get from any episode of a sitcom with a pregnant woman. Which is exactly the uh, the morning sickness depicted there is always um, someone is at their job and then they're like, oh, no, and run to the bathroom and throw up. And then they're like, oh, get a dreamy look in their eyes and take a pregnancy test. And they're like, I'm pregnant. And that's <laughs> the last time they're sick for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that. It was, like, those very basic pregnancy observations padded out for like to be like an hour yeah um yeah like the most compelling part of that movie was melissa mccarthy's husband is dennis quaid's son in that movie and their (laughs) father-son relationship is riveting the entire time (laughs) like but it's nothing to do with pregnancy at all um so i'd watch a hyperlink movie where it's just dennis quaid being that guy's dad some more and all the well and all the characters we'll see how all their lives intersect I hate, I, I hate hyperlink movies so much. Wait, let's talk about babies. We're uh, ta- we're ta- so we were talking about nausea and oh, that I think I'm not. I'm not sure if I ever circled back around this point that I started to make 25 minutes ago, uh, which is that another insane thing about not being allowed to tell people that you're pregnant until you're out of the first trimester is that you're horribly sick. Like yeah. you're, you're like uh, uh, terribly, terribly sick, and you need. It's like the point at which you most need support and people being like patting your head and telling you that it's going to be okay. Um, so I told, we ended up telling everyone right away. Like our immediate family. Yeah. No, certainly not like social media, but um, our immediate we family. We like eight weeks or hmm? how many weeks did we wait? We waited a couple, a while to tell people. You, to tell the big announcement or? To, to our family. No, we, that we told the, our family like. Two days after we found out. Oh, that's early. <laughs> because, well, because it was my birthday is also, we, we found out on my birthday weekend and my birthday is also Father's Day. And so um, right. I thought that would be a fun Father's Day present. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we, we told um, our, our, you know, immediate family almost as soon as we knew. Um, and then I, and then I the, told them, Pregnancy slows time down so much. That felt like we waited like. Four weeks to, to tell people. Yeah, I think we found it on Thursday, and then we told um, our families on Sunday. Those three days were like us taking in a lot of new information yeah, and yeah. like way adjusting to a completely different oh, like, mindset. It's been eye-opening learning about infant care. Like, I we don't even get into that, but like, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure we'll have a future podcast about it. But it's just like it's bananas. Yeah, um, and then I told my boss and coworkers. At like, when I was like six weeks, um, so like two weeks after we found out, just because I was so sick that I had to start calling out of work. Um, and then I think we announced it on social media at like fifteen weeks or mm-hmm. something. We which got is... like a first sonogram and stuff, and yeah, yeah. So we had our first doctor's appointment at ten weeks when they, which was the first time we're now ten weeks. That's two and a half months into this whole process was the first time that a doctor was like, yes, there is a baby inside of you. Yeah, yeah. You're not just sick for some other reason. 
And that was, I was like, I was prepared to be like, because I, again, I was sort of not sure about parenthood. Um, so I was convinced, I was, I was preparing myself and reading a lot of like essays on like, you might not bond with your child right away. Like you might take, because also it's like, because of evolution, we're all born like three months early because otherwise we wouldn't be able to fit our heads out. So, um, so when you have a newborn infant, it's not really, it's not like smiling at you. It's you're not getting any social feedback. Yeah. It's it's still kind of growing. It's gestating. So I was like reading and it's, and and if you don't bond with your child, you shouldn't feel bad because it is like, it doesn't always happen. Which is like, I mean, that's a good thing is like that message is being put out there a lot right now where it's like, you might be absolutely overjoyed and immediately in love when you first meet your baby. Or you might be like, this is weird yeah. and I don't know what this thing is. And like, that's okay. Yeah, you might be like, do you know what's a good movie? Eraserhead. You know, like, all, <laughs> all of a sudden I just really like the movie Eraserhead. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, we saw like that, that sonogram at like 10 weeks was just like, we just saw her wiggling and I, I just, She was the wiggliest thing you've ever seen in your I, life. I bonded immediately. It was like... Yeah, a, we both... I mean, I, I'm sure actually meeting the actual baby will be another whole process. Um, cause also we're going to be like exhausted yeah. Yeah. and tired and then it will start screaming at us. So we'll see. But- yeah. And I, I'm not saying I completely understand parenthood <laughs> now, but I just, I was like very much like, I like that. Can that come home with us? Yeah. Like- I think we were both like taken aback by how much we instantly were like, I am so excited about this thing existing and I would like to right. take it home with us. Yeah. <laughs> So that's been really exciting, and uh, yeah, so that was good, and now we're in the second, we're squarely in the second trimester. We're about to transition out of the second trimester. Yeah, I've got about a month left in the second trimester, um, so, and, and I it took me a good halfway through the second trimester to stop throwing up. Side note, I did throw up yesterday, um, or the day before, maybe. So, uh, not totally, I don't think it'll ever be completely gone, but uh, it, I definitely didn't stop feeling like I had an illness until I was like 18 or 19 weeks in, which the first trimester starts at 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now I'm, fi- I'm finally into the part where I think it's like the best possible part where like, I basically feel like a person. I basically feel like my normal self. Um, I, d- I definitely have a noticeable bump. We're feeling kicks. We're feeling kicks, which is fun. Uh, that's another thing that I was like, that sounds terrifying and gross <laughs> when you hear about it. Because, like, it's described as, like, it feels like a fish swimming around inside your stomach. And you're like, oh, that sounds like an experience yeah. I'd never want to have. <laughs> yeah, swallowing a goldfish is one of my top ten worst fears. Right. And so they're like, get ready. Feel those precious little goldfish flutters. And you're like, I don't know about <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> no, that's, it's like, uh, you send them to hell. <laughs> but, no, it was really, like, immediately reassuring um, because I'll, even even um, after we had seen the sonogram and all, it's like you still can't tell. You can't really tell what's going on in there. So like, I would just kind of be like, I don't know if anything's wrong. I don't know if things are normal. I don't know if things are like progressing or if there's a problem. Um, so once you started to feel little movements, it was kind of like a, oh, she's okay. Everything's all right. Like we can we can. Uh... It felt like touching a sonogram. Like mm-hmm. is what it what it was where it was just like a little reassurance that like right everything's going okay yeah and you start to understand like we were starting to understand the first time that someone might really and you hear people talk about this some people might really enjoy being pregnant because it's a closeness that you can't really you know right i mean definitely i mean 
like you're still like you're still on the fence. It's the worst thing that has ever happened to me, (laughs) for sure, bar none. But um, I mean, also, I I haven't gotten terribly sick before, so maybe this is just the first time I've been terribly (laughs) sick. Um, But uh, no, it is kind of the feeling the baby move is kind of feels like having a kitten sleep on your lap, uh, where it just kind of feels like you're cuddling, sort of like not 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 in the like not in a way where you could like if you wake it up it might scratch you so it's it's still like a like ooh, keep your hands away from it but um like it feels kind of cozy uh especially if you're like you're like laying on the couch at the end of the day and there's like some little kicking and you're like oh hey it kind of feels like um you're like spooning with somebody mm-hmm that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Could we do a gear roundup for pregnancy? Ooh, let's see. I let's might do a gear, gear rundown. How do people get through the pregnancy? What would you get them? Yeah, I, this is... We might have to edit this because I, I don't have a list prepared in my head. Let's just do a quick... Just 27 things that you would, <laughs> you would suggest that they get for their... Let's do five. What are five things they should get for, for their pregnancy? Okay. Well, let me... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start listing things as I think of them and then maybe I'll... summarize most important um but i think uh starting on at the very beginning basically your concern is well i mean your very first thing is prenatal vitamins which you're supposed to start taking like three months before you decide to start trying to get pregnant um but they're also like no worries if you don't it's fine (laughs) but so that's i guess the number one first thing that you would buy if you were like thinking about being pregnant um, and then I think all of the early gear is um, nausea related, which I have to say I bought all of it and none of it did a lick of anything. So that we're talking about like the candies, like the... Yeah, there's um, sour candies. There's these things called preggy pops, um, which are sour and they have vitamin B6 in them, which is supposed to help. There's a lot, like other people say, like peppermint um, or ginger... Anything, anything ginger or peppermint is supposed to help with nausea, which I think ginger just made it worse for me. You also have those magnet bracelets or whatever? Yeah, there's um, like a, an acu... No, what's the word? Acupressure? <laughs> yeah. Pressure point. Pressure, when you have pressure points, there's like a pressure point on your wrist that apparently if you um, squeeze it, it helps you not be nauseous. And so they sell little like wristbands that just have a little... A little like nub that sticks into your wrists at that point and so I bought um I would just like wear them until the skin on my wrists would bleed from from like the chafing um and it never seemed to do anything but a lot of people swear by it the I think the the main brand is C-Bands um if you guys are but you would not recommend those so that's well, not I mean, on your list it didn't work for me but it's definitely one of the things to try. Like, if you are nauseous, like, that's a thing to do. And I think the number one recommendation for this is... Oh, is Unisom. Mm-hmm. Is the only thing that ended up working, which, uh, fortunately, we were just talking to friends of ours that had had a baby, and she recommended Unisom and B6, which, um, I don't know if the B6 does anything, but... That was, I started, once I got to the point where I literally couldn't keep any food or water down, where I threw, I was throwing up like 10 times a day. Um, I finally just went and bought Unison, which is just an over-the-counter sleep aid. But for some reason it, I think it was, I think it was specifically developed to help pregnancy sickness. Um, And for whatever reason, it just like completely works. So for me, 
like, I think I started taking it around week eight. Um, and then I took it through up through week 19 every day because it was just unbearable without it. And it made such a huge, huge difference. So yeah, Unisom, I mean, for me, Unisom is right up there for number mm-hmm. one. Anything else? And the only thing that you need to get through the first trimester, at least. Um, so I think first trimester is just about trying to eat enough nutrients and trying to ma- uh, like handle the nausea. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, but then getting into the second pre- second trimester, the gear gets a little more fun. Um, I think pregnancy pillow is one of the things that I bought kind of early on, um, which I it's supposed to help you sleep better. I don't know if it really does, but it is just a fun pillow to have around. It's a very long pillow. It's kind of shaped like a big letter C. Yeah, they they sell C shaped ones and U shaped ones. And I mean, there's a bunch of different, there's a ton of, ton of different kinds, but. I kind of want a pregnancy pillow. Yeah, well, we should buy you one. That's we nice. Too. That's nice. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell people when they come over, it's your extra pregnancy pillow. <laughs> but we don't really use it that much because it's extra. <laughs> yeah, it's just and they'll be like, they'll be you are sweating so much right now. Like, why, why your eyes starting back and forth? <laughs> Um, it's basically just a big pillow to spoon with. Um, it's supposed to help you help keep you sleeping on your side because starting in like the middle of your second trimester, you're supposed to stop sleeping. Well, uh, you, you, you stop being physically able to sleep on your stomach, which is a weird feeling. Um, and then you're not supposed to sleep on your back because as your pregnancy progresses, the baby gets big enough to where it can like cut off veins and mm-hmm. you can like lose important circulation where it starts to get frustrating because they also say you're not supposed to sleep on your sides and it's like well guys <laughs> i'm running out of surfaces you know no you're supposed to sleep i know i'm joking uh, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> what i'm doing <laughs> it's a satire about how because it's like every information every piece of information you get as a pregnant woman it seems from my point of view to be that you can't do anything yeah it's like they definitely don't do x but also you really don't want to do not x yeah absolutely. guys <laughs> yeah yeah but no but yeah so it's, no very true so yeah so you but how, how's that been going Have you, has it been tough tough i mean i i uh i think the sleeping has started to get uncomfortable i've started to get a thing where my uh i'll like lose circulation in my legs and so i'll just like wake up in the middle of the night because like my leg hurts because there's no blood flow to mm-hmm. it um and you tell the doctor that and they just kind of go like but it comes back right and you're like yeah and they're like, great <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right i mentioned that and they're like yeah it happens do you ever get this sensation return and you're doing great like <laughs> it just, just feels odd to me that it's such a like on an evolutionary scale it's such a key process <laughs> like literally to our like our species survival right and it's just like feet and teeth work so much better and they're so much less essential to being a person or to the continuation of the human race that it just feels like the body would have worked more of this out like so much of it feels like the body has not prepared for this at all <laughs> It's just sort of like, well, your intestines wrap around your lungs and like, you know. Like, oh, yeah. that's the, I keep look. I keep Googling diagrams to be like, where does all your stuff go though? <laughs> They're just yeah. like, oh yeah, your intestines just go into your lung cavity so that by the time you're in your third trimester, you can't get a full breath. So you're constantly out of breath. It's like, goody. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and yet you've had to cut back on vaping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to cut back on that. Some things are for us, you know? <laughs> it's people, not to 
throw shade at anybody, but it is interesting seeing like because we're being very cautious. We're like at the red HEB looking at the back of herbal teas, being oh, like, yeah. "You can't drink this." But people on the message boards are like, "I've cut back on vaping." But it's really hard to quit, and like, how how bad how bad is it if I keep going? And people are like, it's kind of really bad. Yeah, I want to start an account as it's like you should quit vaping just aesthetically, like it had nothing to do with pregnancy. Like, just just cut it out. It's terrible. Get a, get a cigarette. If that's what you're gonna do. Yeah, that. be classy about it. I can't believe this is a total dig- digression <laughs> that people are risk taking on most of the health risks of smoking and getting rid of the one awesome part. Which was that it looked incredible. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that blows my mind. It's like, it's like that to me is as confusing as like voting for Trump for president. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. I gotta stop processing that. All, like my shock at the Trump administration. It's over. Um, um, so, so we're in second trimester gear. Right. Uh, so pregnancy pillow, just go ahead and get one. I mean, it, it doesn't really necessarily do anything but i think it's a comfort in an uncomforting time mm-hmm. um compression socks this one is probably more medically useful um because you start swelling um and, like you gain something like over the course like by the end of your pregnancy you know you're however many pounds heavier and four of those pounds are just extra blood <laughs> And you're just, and then another like three of them is just like extra fluid. It's just like oh, we're like there's just more stuff inside your body, right. and so uh, especially if you like work a, a job where you're just sitting for twelve straight hours, which is what I do every day, um, your feet will be kind of uncomfortably swollen by the end of it. And then you just wear compression socks. Totally takes care of it. Um, and they also help another thing that there's also like 7,000 things that just happen when you get pregnant and they're just like, yeah, that just happens. So one of the things is people is restless leg syndrome, which I just have. You already have. Yeah. I already had that. But a lot of people get it for the first time when they're, when they're pregnant. I think it has been more intense since you've been pregnant. It's been like a gun going off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's really uncomfortable, keeps you from sleeping and compression socks uh, can help with that too. Um, but yeah, other other terrible things that happen where they're just like, yeah, that just happens sometimes is like, uh, like gingivitis is a thing. Really? Yeah, like you like they're like, yeah, if your if your gums just start bleeding, it's just because you're pregnant. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. Is that because of is that because you're immunocompromised, so your body can't fight it off as much? I don't think they know. But that's another fun thing is that you're you're more likely to get sick when you're pregnant. Yeah, that's another... They're like, they're like, you're not, strictly speaking, immunocompromised, but your immune system changes a lot to where you're much more likely to get sick. And if you do get sick, it's much da- more dangerous and it could have health problems for the baby. Also, mosquitoes are more attracted to pregnant women. Yeah. We're yeah. just like, well, what? I think it's because you exhale more carbon dioxide, which I've been on you about that. <laughs> But yeah, so it's been um, other things. Oh, yeah. You can oh, just yeah. you can just um, some pregnant people just uh, their feet just permanently get a half size larger, which means all of your shoes won't fit anymore. So you'd have to throw out all of your shoes and buy all new shoes, which that just seems like adding punitive. To injury. Yeah, 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 particularly mean. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a, a zillion other things. But yeah, there's just things where they're just like, oh, I mean, I mean, all the like gestational diabetes. Like you can just get diabetes 
just for when you're pregnant. And there's no root cause. It just sometimes happens to people. That sounds like the slug line for like a, the worst product on earth. Just like a commercial, <laughs> just like diabetes, just for when you're pregnant. <laughs> I got no, I don't, I don't want that. And same thing with preeclampsia. Yeah, that's scary. That's scary Which stuff. is, yeah, can can be really dangerous. Um, anyway, it's just all terrible. Seems, and that's what I mean about, like, it just seems like the body should have worked more of that <laughs> stuff out. It just seems like it is, like, giving a book report when it didn't read the book. Like, it's the energy <laughs> I get from the body handling pregnancy. And as... I, I think a lot of the things are, like, in order to make your hips wider so that the baby can physically fit out, the hormone that makes that happen also makes all this other stuff happen you know so like mm-hmm. it's doing the thing that it needs to do but that is also causing a bunch of secondary effects yeah so yeah i'm only i'm only halfway through pregnancy so i tbd on third trimester mm-hmm. whatnots but um as a just as a as a gear summary um <laughs> the gear sum gear sum um i'd say first trimester Get Unisom if you're experiencing nausea um, and prenatal vitamins. Was there another first trimester thing? Is it just Unisom? It's just Unisom, basically. And um, and then second trimester, pregnancy pillow, compression socks. Um, another thing that a lot of people love. I don't know if it does anything. I mean, no one knows if it does anything, but some sort of like unscented body lotion. For stretch marks, and also sometimes you, I hear your belly just gets really itchy, like as it grows because it's growing so fast. So pregnancy pillow, compression socks, sometimes lotion, and then I think for more of a third trimester thing. But my next gear purchase I'm planning on getting is like a belly wrap, mm-hmm. like a belly band for support, which is for third trimester helping you carry the weight, and then also postpartum helping you like mm-hmm. heal. Yeah, my advice to uh, the supporting partners out there would be find meals you can make quickly mm-hmm. and that can be broken into smaller portions. Because, like, <laughs> you, like, if you just, like, I would, like, the first the first couple weeks, it's, like, really trying to, like, do it up and be nice. It's, like, I'm going to make you a special dinner tonight. It's, like, oh, it's going to take an hour and a half, hour and a half to cook. <laughs> You're going to barf four times before that gets done just from the smells. Like, it's just, like, what you need. And then it's going to be a giant plate of food I'm going to eat a quarter of it and then throw that entirely up and then have to throw yeah. away the rest. What you need is like a box of mac and cheese that you can make in eight minutes and turn into three little snacky meals. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of times um, early on where, because being hungry makes you th- more likely to throw up. And so I would, I'd be like, Seth, uh-oh, Seth, I need food right now. <laughs> it's like he would just have to like make me something in like less than five minutes and then bring it to me. And that would be like, we'd be like, a race against time to see if that would work. And then you would just be mad that I didn't incorporate the basket ingredients. <laughs> and I thought that was unfair. <laughs> Should be a pregnancy edition of Chess. <laughs> that would be great. We just have to make cook for, for pre- pregnant, pregnant women. women who are about to barf. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. Any other supporting partner advice? Um, I think I'm usually pretty good at this, but I think we could all get better at it is like, be a little more proactive and inquisitive about what would actually be helpful rather than volunteering activity that the person is not asking for and that might actually exacerbate things. Yeah. Because, yeah, especially, like, things that were once fun might be 
a nausea trigger now yeah. or might uh, Seth would like light a candle to be nice and I'd be like the smell of that candle right. is going to make me throw up. And another thing that's counterintuitive is we were talking about this yesterday. It's like when I barf personally I want to be like alone in an abandoned monastery on top of a mountain. You know I, <laughs> I, I want to be wearing a special hood where everything is covered except for my mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, where when I barf, uh, especially the amount of like, because I, I was I was doing the thing where you just throw up and throw up and throw up and throw up until you're just like dry heaving bile. Um, where like, I want everyone in the ten mile vicinity of of me to stop what they're doing and come over and hug me <laughs> and pat my back and tell me that yeah. they're sorry and that it's going to be okay. So it's it's so counterintuitive to me that like I'm glad that we talked about it. So that I can, like, I come and I rub your back while you're, um, you know, tossing your, your when you're doing your reverse birthday kick. Um, so, because uh, it's so, and it's just like, it is so my, my thing of wanting to be alone when I'm sick. That when you heave, it's like, it's like I'm reacting to um, someone jumping out at me at a haunted house. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like I have to press my hand to you to keep it there. Because it's like, like so like, it's like I'm holding, bouncing off. Right. It's like I, it's like I'm holding it through a force field. Uh, I really appreciate just it. because of what for me is a basic sensory experience of wanting to be alone in that moment. So it's I think just be inquisitive and like and don't pester the person with questions. But you know I think just kind of be like if something happens that's clearly traumatic, like throwing up three times a day. Ask that person if three times if you're lucky. Yeah, ask that person if there's anything you can be doing. Better or worse? Not, not worse, but worse. <laughs> no, I think that's worse is good. I'd keep that in your back pocket. You might, you might, need, you might need a plan. Um, but yeah, um, so I think that would be a tip. And yeah, just be nice. And um, and also the thing too is like you go as the supporting person. You also go through hormone changes. Um, yeah. So pay attention to your own feelings and and just know that they're going to change. Luckily, I think they change in men. You just get more um, estrogen. Um, so you'll be nicer, but, which is like amazing because I was already a mush to begin with. Like, um, so also you're going to be managing some stress, not as much as probably the person who's, who's growing a human, but, um, but yeah, just keep that yeah, in mind. It's a weird, I mean, it's a weird time. It's like the pregnant person is going through more physical changes, but, uh, you know, the other person is going through the same emotional changes. Right. Of like, oh crap, this is a whole weird different thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I think just keep an open mind. And I think just, I think we're both lucky since we think about story a lot. And so we've kind of indoctrinated ourselves to the, the truth that change is kind of always good. Or it might not be. It might not be it might not be pleasant while you're going through it, but it will lead to a better outcome. Or maybe not even good, but yeah, but it is change is just so such an essential part of being alive that you can embrace it or be unhappy. Like those are your two options. <laughs> That's a good way of phrasing <laughs> it. Like it's gonna happen, right? For the better or for the worse, uh, you know, like in terms of what it how it changes your circumstances. But like, yeah, it's and, gonna happen. So fighting it is not helpful <laughs> and also like when you don't have any control over a situation too like we have that uh i heard in an interview judd apatow gave that advice that we quote all the time which is sort of like you have no clue how something's going to turn out you can guess until you're blue in the face but if you assume that it's going to go poorly for you then it's going to go poorly every single second you know you gotta have like that. every time you think about it it's you're reliving the poor yeah it, it going poorly and then it'll either go poorly or go well in real life 
so it's like why not think it's gonna go great the whole time yeah and uh and then yeah so that's kind of like where i'm at where it's like like this is change it's a lot of elements are scary a lot of um you know of being responsible for someone of knowing from based on all the anecdotal evidence you've gotten that you're gonna love this person more than you've ever loved anyone you've ever met and that that's what everyone says and you have to risk putting them out into the world and the world is a scary place but Jet Apatow, it could also just be awesome. It could be great. They could be the first Secretary of State. <laughs> the first one. The first one. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think our skills combined, they could really navigate that, the politics <laughs> of politics. Another another tip I would give to any pregnant people, um, or people thinking about becoming pregnant, um, is uh, similarly, try not to worry. Because it's like, it's such a nerve-wracking scary weird process um that has like very high stakes but it's like for for the most part there's not a lot you can do about it like it's gonna happen however it's gonna happen i mean don't do drugs Mm -hmm. for sure but other than that it's kind of like you don't have a lot of control over the process so worrying about it is just gonna make yourself sick yeah there's two piles things you can control and things you can't and if you focus on the things you can't good luck have fun because that's gonna be miserable i'm mad at the hypothetical person <laughs> i got myself all worked up um and also other advice i would not watch rosemary's baby i'd maybe put on either of the paddington movies <laughs> <laughs> i think that was the movie that we we i think we bought paddington one once we found out we were pregnant and i was freaking out i think you just put on paddington yeah because we needed and it was great he, we needed his gentle decency to uh get <laughs> yeah. us through that yeah but anyway, yeah, so it's, it's good news. We were excited to share this with you. Um, we're less excited to watch Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I, I do love... Where do you think... What do you think is a good movie? I think, it's, yeah, I think it's definitely... I mean, I think it's a, definitely a good movie in just... I mean, in the way that, like, the yellow wallpaper is a good short story. Right. <laughs> you know, just yeah. as, like, a, a, a good depiction of um, just a, a meek woman who is being, let, being gaslit and letting other people walk all over her um i think that's the i think that's more the horror of it than even there technically being a devil baby somewhere right yeah it is it's such an interesting i think i feel like it's so much more social socially minded than all of the kind of um satan thrillers of like the late 60s and 70s like um but it's interesting you never really hear a about maybe i'm just like reading the wrong essays but like you you never really hear about it in that sense i just hear it kind of get lumped in with the exorcist as kind of like a paranormal um oh right but i mean it's really there's almost nothing paranormal in it it's all like the kind of the exploration of those domestic power dynamics yeah so i mean i think it's i think it's a good movie in that it's not really a horror movie like i think we were putting it on because we're like it's halloween let's put a horror movie and it's like it's not it doesn't really hit that right yeah um, so, uh, do you know what movie I do want to recommend is The Sentinel. Ooh, yes. We watched The Sentinel recently, which is, has a lot of, a lot of similarities with Rosemary's Baby. I originally heard about it because there's just like a two minute film, of, a two minute video of Edgar Wright recommending the film on YouTube. And he just did such a convincing job of being like, this is bananas. It's not great, but it's certainly, it's not boring. Which yeah, is, that's kind like, of what I'm looking for at this time in my life. Like, uh, And especially from movies from that, because it's, what, 
70s? I think it's later 70s. I think that it's a movie that is kind of cynically trying to cash in on the the sensations of movies like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. Yeah, it definitely is like of that time period with those movies. And it's similarly, it's based on a novel. It's like set in New York. There's real estate involved. It is not boring. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell yeah. you that. I mean, I recommend it. It's The cuts alone are just like so nightmarishly jarring. And... Dizzying. It's like not... It's like the the the... the Physical cuts of the movie don't make sense in a way that is very disorienting, but he's not doing it on purpose. It's right. like he, he's not using it to horror effect. He's just like doesn't know when it's, it's for cut. the meat and potato scenes where he's establishing the premise where it's just like he doesn't do establishing shots ever. It'll be like someone will have a conversation somewhere else and then we'll cut to them in a building we don't know with a phone. Like, uh, yeah, just like in a completely in the middle of a different scene. And we're like, wait, did she move? Did, did that other scene end? Is she in a new location now? It was, and the cast is incredible for how little you see of them. There's young Christopher Walken, young Jeff Goldblum, um, and they yeah. think each have like I don't think Christopher Walken gets to open his mouth. I don't. I'm not sure if he has a single line. Um, and then also Prince Humperdinck is in it. Yes, uh, he's the main guy. Yeah. So Sentinel is is bananas. That's maybe the real recommendation here. Is I would watch that movie as soon as you can. Yeah, it is. It is a very similar starting premise. To Rosemary's Baby, um, I mean, even a even a similar-ish beginning of the second act, um, but wildly, wildly different um, and very bad. I mean, objectively, does not make sense, and the things people do don't make sense, but in a way that makes you like invigorated. Yeah, there was moments too where almost, especially with the way the violence in the movie is handled in this sort of expressionist way that is really startling and interesting. It almost reminds me of like D'Argento, like movies like Deep Red, um, where, I mean, you kind of have to see it to believe it, but like um, definitely the movie to kind of like, I don't know, clear your sinuses a bit. Like I watched, I watched that movie and immediately, as soon as it ended, I immediately started writing another script that was like a redo of it because right. it has so much and it's like has so many kind of like these natural teeth that you want to keep so in. many interesting parts that like if someone could just put them together in the right order that makes sense <laughs> like it's just it's so interestingly wrong that it's like yeah. a puzzle you, you want to solve and there's i won't i won't do a spoiler but i will recommend um there's like a, a scene that happens in with a book um where it's very and it's genuinely creepy startling that's like a, one of the scariest moments. yeah it's a brilliant moment in in a in a very odd movie and it's just got it's kind of got a little string of those throughout that are really fun to kind of uh see yeah like the parts where the movie is trying to be scary are not the scary parts but right. by and large like their their jump scares or whatever are not not really that scary but um that there are little moments of just weirdness that are really interesting right yeah so yeah definitely watch that Anything, uh, anything to add before we close up the baby bag? I like doing. Um, I think I thought uh, Halloween felt very fitting to announce our pregnancy because it's such a horrifying and scary process. Yes, and we could do a title like "Child of Me Hook," you know, <laughs> to give it like a horror title or "The Quickening." Isn't that? Yeah, the uh, the quickening is is the name for when you first feel it's feel a baby move. That's good. I think it's from. Wait, is it from? The Highlander, also, I want to say. <laughs> uh, well, you don't have to say the Highlander because there can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t- 
tired. I don't even know that joke works. So uh, we got babies. We got horror. We've got 70s um, Manhattan-themed apartment thrillers. Right, yes. I think that's our bag right now. And um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll, let's try to squeeze one of these, another one of these in. So at some point. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I'll do a third trimester year roundup. Yeah, let's do it. I don't, let's try to find a good pregnancy movie to recommend to people. Oh, there aren't any. I might have to dust off Junior. I started watching Catastrophe, um, which is a great show. That's great, but they don't really talk about pregnancy. They don't at all. talk about pregnancy almost at all. She's like never sick or has any symptoms. Um, she's just like drinking and smoking the whole time. It's like it's as I mean, like her pregnancy does not seem to affect her normal life at all right yeah that's they're much better at like i mean those two are just two of the funniest people on the planet but um (laughs) yeah so that part's fun but yeah we kind of started hoping that it would be a more in-depth no one's really done that someone to show someone being sick from pregnancy right (laughs) we'll see i guess we gotta make that movie yeah all right well uh this has been us talking about babies and rosemary's baby and the sentinel the sentinel's baby you have any closing closing thoughts? <laughs> you always hate it when I hate it. It's like we've already we've been saying goodbye for twenty minutes now. You know I don't have what? any closing thoughts. <laughs> what if I would have said, said them already? What if I said goodbye and you weren't ready? To be, I... <laughs> it's not like we could edit it back in. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Well, as always, I love you guys.